Uh, well, it's great to be with you and uh, welcome if you're watching online as well. So we're in part two of this series called Address the Mess. Uh, don't worry if you missed last week, you can always go up and catch up on our YouTube channel. Just search Holy Baptist. You can watch um, what Martin talked about last week, but I'm going to catch you up right now. The big thing that we kind of learned last week is that all of us could put our name and tick our name next to this statement. And that's, I am a mess. Oh, I forgot my clicker. Sorry, Steve, I don't know what I did with it. Actually, I'm, 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 right, pause, everyone pause. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Right, okay. <laughs> I'm going to cut that bit out online, which I love being able to do. <laughs> but sorry for everyone in the room. So last week, we, we learned that we can all put our name and uh, sort of sign our name up by this phrase, that I am a mess. And obviously, I just demonstrated that with that little illustration there. Um, and uh, that all of us, in some way, shape, or form, get ourselves into a mess. We get ourselves into a muddle, whether it's financially. We, we make decisions that we think, oh, you know, that will be next month's budget's problem. And, and we, we continue going down that track. And eventually, we find ourselves in a place where our finances are just in a total muddle. Or our relationships, we get, find ourselves in a place, in a relationship that's in such a state, and we don't know what to do about it. But we know that we kind of saw the warning signs and continue down that track anyway that we get ourselves into a mess with habits and with our behaviors and with our organization. How many of us find ourselves looking at the diary and thinking, oh my goodness, this is such a mess. I don't know how to keep on top of it. But that all of us can tick our name next to that statement. I am a mess, that I have made a mess. In fact, I'd love it if we could all just say that out loud as a little bit of a confession, just to say that we're all on the same page today. I have made a mess. Ready? One, two, three. I have made a mess. It's a good practice to start confessing that actually we have done that. And if your life is feeling messy right now, you are in exactly the right place today. If you're watching online, you have tuned into the right message because that's exactly where we're all starting from today. And the, I'm going to sort of be talking about two questions today. One is, how does God respond to my mess? And the second question is, is there hope of a way out? And that might be the question that you're really looking for an answer for right now. Now, I am a notorious glass breaker. Last year, 2022, five out of the six glass tumblers in the set of glass tumblers that my husband and I received uh, for our wedding were smashed by yours truly, not all on the same occasion and not out of rage, I must say, just out of complete and utter clumsiness. In fact, one of the glasses I managed to smash onto a plate which smashed in half as I smashed it, right? <laughs> and uh, I've now mastered the knack of smashing a glass in such a way that the shards zoom single corner of the kitchen and I just find myself standing in this sea of shards of glass. Now, I know when that happens, and my husband hears it from the other room, he is rolling his eyes like, she, he's not even, you know, first time it happened, he comes running in, are you okay, darling? Are you okay? Now it's just, I can feel the eye roll from the other room because he knows I've smashed another one. When that happens, I kind of feel like I have two choices. One is like, try to negotiate these shards of glass and quickly tidy up the mess before anyone discovers it or call for help and know that I've got to face the sort of mild judgment that comes with the fact that I've broken another one. But I just find myself standing in this mess of broken glass and thinking, I don't even know where to begin. And it's scary to ask for help in that situation because often our response when we've made a mess like that, and not just a physical mess, but we've made a mess in our lives, we think, I don't know where to begin, but I kind of don't want to ask for help because I don't want to 
face the judgment of the person who comes and looks at this mess. I don't want to hear what the other person will think about the mess that I've made because it's embarrassing or we're ashamed of it. And all of us are tempted to withdraw when we make a mess and to hide it or to try and cover it up for ourselves. But we all find ourselves in this place where we look at a mess in our lives and we say, do you know what? I just don't know where to begin. All of us have found ourselves there. But today, we're going to hang around in this idea that it was for your mess that God moved in your direction. That when, oh, this is really exciting. (laughs) It was for your mess that God moved in your direction. That when God heard the glass shatter in your life, he came running. He came running to help. And I don't know what you think about that claim. And you might be thinking, well, how do you even know that? Like, what's your proof of that statement? That that's maybe not the God that you were introduced to in the church that you grew up in. That the God that you were introduced to when he saw your mess, he pointed a finger at you and he had things to say about that. And he had judgments to make on that. But the the way that we come to this conclusion is that in the Christian faith, we look to Jesus when we want to know what the character of God is like, when we want to know how God responds, when we want to understand the heart of God towards an issue, we look at Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that he makes known to us what God is like because he came and showed us who God is. He was God becoming human. And whatever you think about that claim, you at least want to know that that's where we're starting from, that that's where we take our cue from when it comes to understanding what God is like and how God responds to us and how God responds to messy people. And Jesus moved in the direction of messy people. In fact, he pursued messy people. And I just want to share with you three stories today of times when Jesus moved in the direction of somebody whose life was in a mess. The first is a guy called Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a Jewish man the first century in and around Jerusalem, but uh, the Jewish nation at that time was under Roman occupation. They were in occupied territory, so they had people ruling over them, and the Jewish people, the one thing that they had that bound them together was that they all knew what it was like to live under this oppressive state, that they were all suffering together. They were all joined together by that, but some people like Zacchaeus decided instead that they were going to try and profit from their unfortunate circumstances, that they would side with the enemy because it would make life easier for them. And they were considered traitors. They were considered traitors of their people because if you became a tax collector, which is what Zacchaeus decided to sign up to do for the Romans, he was working on behalf of the enemy to take money away from his people. And we know because it's well documented at the time that often these tax collectors would use fairly exploitative measures in order to get more money and actually profit themselves from their work. And Zacchaeus was this guy. He was a traitor. He would have been shunned probably from his community. His family would have been incredibly dishonored by the decision he'd made. So he'd probably not have much contact with his family anymore. And his community would have looked down on him. His life was a mess. Whether he knew it or not, he might have thought that he was getting on pretty well. But we get this story where Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming into town and he's heard rumors about a guy who's been performing miracles and who's been telling these amazing stories and preaching and teaching about God. And maybe something's 
coming at him from his past, something like that Jewish backstory that he'd been living with. He's like, maybe there is hope in that Jewish God that I was told about as a boy. Maybe I don't have to put my hope in this Roman story that I've been living. And so he, uh, he decides that he wants to see Jesus. But there's another detail we find out about Zacchaeus, not just that he was a tax collector, but also that he was incredibly short. So he has to climb a tree in this crowd of people in order to see Jesus when Jesus comes to town. So we get this bizarre scene where Jesus is coming into town and there's crowds and crowds of people massing around him and Zacchaeus climbs up a tree and the, the text says that Jesus walked straight to the bottom of that tree, looked up at Zacchaeus hiding his way in the branches and Jesus says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, quick, come down out of that tree because I must be a guest in your home today, he says. I love, sorry, I'm going to pass over to you, Steve, because this keeps jumping two at a time. So Jesus says, next slide, please. Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I must be a guest in your home today. Notice this doesn't say it reluctantly. He says it with urgency. Jesus is trying to snap Zacchaeus' attention right onto him. But the people start muttering about this. It says, the people were displeased. He has gone to be with the guest of, he's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, right? Now, here's what this means. A notorious sinner means they don't just look at Zacchaeus and see that he's sinned or the things he used to do. That's the only thing they expect of Zacchaeus. That is his reputation. If they wondered what would Zacchaeus do about this situation, they know he's not going to side with me. He's not somebody I want to associate with. Now, many of us have been in this situation that Zacchaeus is in where we're so notorious for something that people now, it's the only thing they expect of us. It's the only thing that they see. It's what we begin to expect of ourselves. But Jesus doesn't expect this as Zacchaeus. He has a new expectation that he is asking of Zacchaeus. He says, come and host me in your home tonight. Everybody else's response to Zacchaeus would have been to condemn but Jesus's response was to move in Zacchaeus's direction. And then he tells us why. He says, the son of man, and that was the title that Jesus gave for himself, because the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why Jesus walked up to Zacchaeus and said, I want to have dinner with you tonight. Even though everybody else has written you off, I have not written you off. I've got a plan for you. Next story, that's Zacchaeus. There's this woman that Jesus encounters a little bit later. She has, she's a, she has a past, a very, very messy past. And this time it's mess when it comes to her relationships. And by the time we meet her in this story, she's had five husbands. And she's not even living with her fifth husband anymore. She's on the next guy. She's made a mess or she's had people make a mess of her relationships for her. And she had probably written herself off. Instead of writing men off and deciding, no, <laughs> this is obviously not working. She's written herself off. She's decided she's not even worth who's going to be good to her. She's gone from relationship to relationship to relationship that hasn't worked, that's got her life in more and more of a mess. She's ruined her reputation amongst her community. Again, she would have been ostracized from her family for the shame that she would have brought on people. But Jesus comes up to her in the middle of the day when she's out collecting water, when it's hottest but it's the hottest part of the day because she doesn't want to run into anybody else because she doesn't want to face the judgment. She doesn't want to face the questions. 
She's so messy, she's ostracized herself from everybody else. Jesus comes up to her, he spends time with her. He reveals to her who he is. He tells her about things that he hasn't even spoken to other people about, about things that he hasn't even spoken to his closest followers about yet. He takes her seriously. He takes her questions seriously. He's the first man in a long time, maybe ever, to do that with her. He moves in her direction. Third person that Jesus interacted with was a criminal on a Roman cross, being executed for a crime. You talk about your life being in a mess, this is the end of the road. He'd, goodness knows what had led him to this place, but now he was at the end of his life, being put to death in a very, very shameful way. Nobody would have turned up to watch this happen who knew him, it would have been too shameful. He was alone up there, and next to him was Jesus. This was the day of Jesus' own execution. And people are shouting insults at Jesus. A lot of people have come to see him up there on the cross. And another guy, there's another guy on the other side of the cross to Jesus who's joining in with this mocking. But this guy on the cross, something in him recognizes something in Jesus. And he comes to Jesus' defense. And, and he's curious about Jesus. And he calls out to Jesus from his place on the cross. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Notice he doesn't ask, like, can I come with you or can I be part of it? He knows that his life's too messy to even make that request. He just says, would you just think of me? I just want to know that someone's going to think of me. I just want to know that my life isn't going to end and nobody's ever going to remember me. So Jesus, could you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus turns his head as best as he can from the cross. And he says, I'll do one better than remember you. You're coming with me. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. He says to a thief being put to death beside him on the cross. Jesus moved in the direction of messy people. He sought them out. And there was a very, very good reason why. Because Jesus was offering himself as the solution to their mess. He wasn't just offering advice. He wasn't just offering comfort. He wasn't just offering encouragement. He wasn't just offering an opinion. Jesus offered himself as the solution to our mess. Now, these three people, Zacchaeus, this woman who Jesus meets in the heat of the day, the thief on the cross, they would look back at their encounter with Jesus and describe it something like this, the story of their life up to Jesus. I messed up. I made a mess. I gave up. That was pretty much it for me. I'd written myself off. I looked up and God showed up. And this isn't just the story of those three people. This is the story of some people here today. This is the story of some of you in this room that you messed up. That through maybe it, you felt like it was no fault of your own, but actually you were following down a path for a long time that you kind of knew you shouldn't have been on, that you ignored the advice of your parents, you ignored the advice of your friends, you ignored that thing inside you that was saying, ah, this doesn't feel right, that you ignored the best practices that you'd been taught with your money, with your relationships, with your habits, that you buried your head in the sand and you went down a path that you kind of knew you shouldn't be on and you made so many mistakes, so many errors and eventually you just found yourself in a place where you had to give up. 
You just couldn't do it anymore. You couldn't keep it up anymore. You couldn't pretend anymore that it was going to work. And at the time that you gave up, somehow you looked up. You cried a desperate prayer in the middle of the night. You started looking at the Bible for the first time. You asked a friend or somebody you knew who had faith and said, how do you do it? Because I'm a mess. I'm alone. And I'm broken. You started searching for God. And in some way, God showed up. Whether it was somebody came along to you and invited you to church for the first time. Somebody put their arm around you and told you about Jesus Somebody gave you a Bible and you began to read it and it didn't, it wasn't like the first time you read it. It wasn't boring anymore. It felt real and alive and you were seeing something in it for the, for the first time. You saw an answer to prayer for the very first time in your life. This is the story of people in this room. Suddenly, they had hope of a way out. Now, the good news is that you haven't got to wait for this process to come to its full completion. You haven't got to wait for the moment where you have to give up and look up and wait for God to show up because he did show up in the person of Jesus. He showed up and he showed up for messy people like you and me. And he's got a way through for you. If you're finding yourself in a mess right now, or you, if you think there's a chance you're heading in the direction of a mess, he's got something for you that you can begin to do right here today. Now, some people, when we think about God showing up for us in the mess, what we want to hear is the God of total rescue, that he's going to click his fingers and make it all okay again. Um, several years ago, there was a series of adverts, you'll remember these, from Direct Line with Winston Wolfe, who's the character from Pulp Fiction, and he's called the cleaner or the fixer, right? So he's the, the, group in, the guy in the gang who, when somebody's got a problem, he turns up and he sorts it out. And you don't want to ask questions about how Winston Wolf sorts it out, but he sorts it out. And Direct Line did a series of these adverts, and I'm just going to show you one right now. Take a look at this. Existing claims. Existing claims. I'm here to take you out for a walk. But I'm not with Direct Line. And that is why you've been waiting around for someone else to fix your problem, instead of enjoying a duck orange with Sharon. We're saving Mr. Watkins here. When you realize, hey, you've got balance. And man, you missed out on being Tracy on ice. Oh, because you're not with direct line. Sign the doll. Get things fixed fast direct line. And some of us, we want the direct line God, right? We want the get my life back, get things fi fixed fast, genie God who turns up, whooshes it all back together. Now, maybe one or two people have had this miraculous experience of God really just completely rejuvenating and turning everything around. But actually, God's got something even better for us than that. He's not just got a quick fix. He's got something that's going to lead us into a life that means we don't have to be the ones making the messes in the future anymore. That He's got a long-term solution for us, not just a way of getting our life back and getting things fixed fast. And Jesus's famous words recorded by John, who was a guy who followed him for many years and wrote about his life eventually because of the impact that Jesus has had on him. John records these words from Jesus. I am the light of the world. 
Now, when you've got yourself into a dark place, when you've made so many messes, you can't see the way through. You need somebody whose light is a lot brighter than yours, who can shine a way forward that you can't see anymore. And that's the offer that Jesus is making. I am the light of the world. And he goes on to say, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This was an invitation from Jesus, and the invitation is incredibly simple. Follow me. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We'll have someone who can lead them through the mess, out of the mess, and into a life where mess is not the only option of what you can create. Now, here's the thing. If you think back, and if I think back over the messes I have made or the people who have made mess in my life, If I had followed Jesus, and by followed Jesus, I mean actually did the things Jesus would have me do, actually lived according to what Jesus said, actually took his wisdom for my life and not my own, actually responded to things the way Jesus responds. If I had done that, the truth is I would have not made that mess. If the person who hurt me, the person who created mess in my life, If they had followed Jesus, actually done what Jesus said to do, actually been the way Jesus said to be, that mess would not have been created. And following Jesus, not simply believing in him, not simply thinking about him on a Sunday, following Jesus, putting into practice his teaching, living according to his way, doing the things he would have us do and having him be our light, the light in our life will rescue us from making bigger messes. It will give us a way to walk through the mess that we are in, and it will lead us to a life that is safeguarded against us being the ones creating more mess in the future. Now, the amazing news is that you can do this before you've even made up your mind about who Jesus is fully. Now, Zacchaeus, that tax collector we heard about at the beginning, When he encountered Jesus, he then made this decision, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to put right some of the things I've got wrong, the people I've cheated. I'm going to give money back. In fact, I'm going to give more back to them than I took from them. He began to take steps in the direction of following Jesus, putting in a long-term plan to make Jesus the light of his life and to safeguard himself against the messes he had made in the past. Just imagine as we finish, what it would be like if this description, this picture that Jesus gave to his followers could be the way that we could describe our own lives. Jesus told this famous parable, one of his most famous, you might have sung about it if you went to Sunday school as a child, about two guys, two builders. One was a fool. He went for the quick and the easy and the convenient option and he built a home on sand because it seemed fine at the time. He didn't think it through, and he made a mess. The house fell down. The rain came against it. The wind blew. The storms raged, and it collapsed, and he found himself standing in the wreckage of the building that he thought would hold up. But another man, and Jesus said, this is the one who hears my words and puts them into practice, built his house on rock. Whoever hears my words and does them will be like a wise builder who built his house on the rock, Jesus said. The rain fell, the torrents raged, the winds blew, and they beat against that house. In other words, the conditions of life still got messy at times. He still lived in a messy world, 
but it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. Just imagine having that strong foundation. As we stand here in the first few weeks of 2023, having that kind of strong foundation for your life over the next 12 months. Right now, in this moment, your life might feel like a million miles away from being built on rock. You might feel like you're on the shakiest ground you've ever been on, that you're in a mess, that life feels like you're just thinking, I don't know how to get myself out of this. Jesus does not find you too messy to deal with. He heard the glass shatter in your life and he came running in your direction. And he has an invitation for you. He has extended the invitation to you. Just follow me. Just try it. Just try it. Just stop for a minute trying to fix it all yourself, trying to figure it all out yourself, trying to make it work, trying to trick other people into thinking that it's all okay, trying to trick yourself into thinking it's all okay. Would you just try following me? I've got a way for you. I have a plan of how to lead you through this and into a life where you're not the one making the messes anymore. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't you love to say that about your life in, 20, in January 2024? Wouldn't you love to say, I followed Jesus and I didn't make a mess this time. This time, this year, I didn't. <laughs> and I'm going to keep following him into the future. We're going to talk more about that next week. We're going to talk about how following Jesus, his invitation, doesn't just minimize the messes in our lives, but transforms our lives into something so much bigger than the messes we've made in the past. We've got a few questions coming up on the screen and just uh, take a moment to think these through in your own mind and let it be time for you to reflect. Have you ever felt excluded from a situation? Have you ever felt excluded from a situation, a social setting or a relationship because of the mess you found yourself in? How do you respond to the idea that it was for your mess that God moved in your direction? When you have tried to fix messy situations for yourself, what has happened? Jesus invited people to follow him. Who or what did you follow into your biggest messes? So what does it mean to follow Jesus instead? Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was really message. good. Well done, Becky. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we didn't got as much out of it as, as we had. We are going to spend a bit of time just responding to just a couple of those questions and, mm. and yeah, just sharing our thoughts and feel free to share your thoughts as well in the comments uh, below. Any, anything that you, you felt hit you particularly and spoke to you uh, in that sermon. So well, let's, let's look at, we got there was four questions. Let's look at question three and, and three. maybe question four. So, um, when have you tried to fix messy situations for yourself, and what has happened? Well, um, for me, I'll, practically, just a little anecdote for for you guys to to make you smile at home. Um, my wife and I, uh, Elise, we live in a top floor flat, um, 
and there's this uh this window um on top of that in a kind of communal area uh and one day it was uh just during a storm it opened itself at some of the flat roof and it's like a fire escape and um chuck it down with rain and we thought to ourselves oh well we, we don't have a ladder it was about <clears throat> probably I don't know, eight feet off the ground or so maybe more didn't have a ladder or a box so um we decided in our infinite wisdom instead of calling <laughs> someone to with a ladder or calling the the management company of the flat um i put my wife on my shoulders um nice. my our daughter was sleeping in, in, in a bed we were out in the, in the hallway and um got my wife to to close this uh <laughs> this kind of flap down this window um she was due to work that that evening as well and she actually uh as she was doing it she moved around a bit um and i fell and she actually managed to wedge her fingers in between uh oh. the window and the and the, the ledge the ledge and she ended up uh in a e that night she's especially working in, <laughs> say in she works in a &E. she's especially working in a &E, <laughs> but instead went as a as a punter um <laughs> thankfully uh some from the church gave her a lift down there she could drive um because we in our infinite wisdom decided that we we didn't need any help that we wanted a quick fix it was raining a bit yeah we thought we could call someone with a ladder they might take 15 20 minutes or Called a management company they could come in a few hours we thought no we we were impatient and uh and ended up uh, a trip to to AD yeah. and at least off work for a couple of shifts um yeah that happens so often doesn't it when you just want to get something done you know that you should go and get the proper equipment or ask for the proper help you just want to oh you'll you'll be all right if i just do this i remember i was trying to unscrew a, a screw i was a design technology teacher and a kid came to me with a piece of work with a screw that you could couldn't get out and rather than going get a screwdriver i got what's called a braddle which is basically like a like it's like a screwdriver but it's used for making marks in wood and i was pushing and i slipped and put the braddle right through my finger oh, and the kid went oh <laughs> it's fine it's fine because yeah i think i think we're all tempted to do that is rather mm. than do things properly rather than get the right help the right equipment we just try and sort it out ourselves and we often take shortcuts don't we Absolutely. And, and i guess what becky's trying to say is that we can try and do that in life as well and rather than i mean what would be the reasons why we wouldn't ask for help with the problems and the mess in our in our life what uh, i mean i guess it comes down to uh almost to embarrassment to, to yeah. shame potentially if you you know i can only think of kind of habits if you've got uh habits that you um feel people might, might judge you on um mm. you kind of might feel well actually i'd, I'd rather not air my air my laundry and <laughs> yes. kind of what to do is you know myself and and in my, in my experience that that absolutely never works yeah i mean shame is a big factor in this, mm, isn't it absolutely. but the reality is sometimes these things you can hide them for so long but after a while you're known for that mess i mean becky said that in it, it, it you know zacchaeus he was talked about was a, was known for his sin for the fact that he swindled people out of the money that mm. he worked for the uh the, the romans you know people knew and if we don't ask for help getting our issues our mess sorted then we get to a point too often where we can't hide it anymore and everyone knows about mm. it and yeah uh, and equally you know uh if we talk about an adversary of you know satan uh, you know satan loves secrecy yeah you know, loves um you know secrecy loves you feeling as if you know that it's a secret and it's uh and then either it's exciting or it's a secret so that you, you couldn't possibly share or yeah. tell anybody in it 
um and ultimately it just takes you down a, a really uh really bad path yeah and i guess what we talk about here is not telling the entire world mm. sticking it on facebook i've got this problem but actually it's about having maybe some people you trust Absolutely. a group of friends that you yeah. can just say look i'm struggling with this can you can you help me can you hold me accountable we talk about accountability partners mm, absolutely. Uh, which is just someone or, or or a couple of people that you, who will just there journey with you through the trouble and just go how you know every now and then saying how are you getting on with that have you have you done what you, it was you didn't want to do or have you done what you should be doing and just to keep on top of you uh and just hold you accountable and i think that's really important absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Do you have an accountability partner? I mean, I've had yeah. them in the past. Yeah. 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 I have um, uh, a friend of mine um, who, who I grew up with. And we used to ask one another. We used to go over and we'd say, what's the one question you don't want me to ask you today? <laughs> uh, and, you know, um, and equally, you know, accountability, um, a member of this church um, is, uh, he knows my news resolution. He's asking me if you read your Bible today. Yeah. You know, um, that sort of and stuff. And we've just ed on the whole of the well, internet that you're, you're falling behind so that's the opposite of what we just recommended so um <laughs> and you know he does it fairly gently maybe too gently <laughs> but uh absolutely you need, you know, need that person that's going to ask you mm. the, the difficult questions you need that person that you know if you were to slip up is, is going to be there to to support you. you need you need not a cheerleader as such not someone to tell you you know that you're, you're great, great wonderful. you're doing wonderful don't worry about, which is you know, which is important you need to have absolutely. those positive affirmation but sometimes you need yeah, someone you to ask see, those difficult absolutely. questions absolutely yeah. and someone to you know perhaps to tell you when when you're being a, a bit daft or a bit more <laughs> you know um but yeah absolutely yeah chris have we got any comments oh one has just come in oh yes what we got uh, from do you want to stick it on the screen for us daniel says sometimes when we ask for help no one is willing to help though yeah, yeah. that's that's well, that's depressing really if no one's had i would like to think that if you were part of a church community particularly mm. hopefully holy baptist church that actually if you ask for help there will be someone to to offer Absolutely. Um, and sometimes the first person might not be available not everyone can help not everyone mm. is the right person absolutely um but i would like to think there is someone uh out there who can can help. Sometimes you have to be willing to take professional help mm. as well. You know, there's just some things that the ordinary person on the street, you know, can't help with. And some people are trained for that. You know, for example, uh, when Elise fell off your shoulders and hurt herself, you know, don't come to me asking for help. Go no, to A&E. Exactly. And, it, and it's the same with all sorts of things. Sometimes mm. you need someone that is better suited to help and uh question what, number four fourth question like, number four uh, yeah what's question number four oh michelle oh, what's sorry, michelle yes. done yeah uh many people offer help but when you ask for it it's not really there mm -hmm. oh so okay that's yeah that's a problem some people can be like oh yeah if you ever need any help yeah just ask but when you actually ask suddenly they're not there to help i, I don't know how you can get around that i mean we just talked a little bit about that haven't we mm. but that's a bit that's sad that's not on you you know if you've all you can do is reach out is reach out absolutely that's that's on you to do you're you're not responsible for their response um you can't help that and all you can do is keep asking and yeah it's really sad if someone maybe has offered to help in the in the path but actually when it comes down to it yeah. you're too inconvenient uh, and maybe them. you know the best will in the world they they wanted to help and then maybe 
things have changed. Maybe they find themselves too busy with something. You know, yeah. it's not. Um, and, yeah. and sometimes it's not always a definite no. And that's where a little bit of give and take needs to come in. They might be able to help, but maybe not in exactly the way you want or at exactly the time you want. Because I know for me, sometimes, you know, you want help in this particular way at this particular time. You're like, well, I need it now. And that maybe you might need to have some negotiations with Absolutely. another person and just say, yeah. okay, you can't help me in <clears> exactly <throat> the way I need it, but how can you help? And that might be really important. Absolutely. What's the next question? Jesus invited people to follow him. Who or what did you follow into your biggest messes? What does <laughs> it mean to follow Jesus instead? See, I would love to blame other people, but often I follow myself uh, mm. in, into other messes, my own wants, my own desires that are maybe contrary to um, what's healthy. Um, and if you're a follower of Jesus like I am, sometimes contrary to what Jesus would want me to do, I think I often follow myself. How about you? I'd say similar. I kind of you know feel as though I can do things in my own strength and kind of pursue my own kind of oh I you know um, Chinese oh I can be self controlled I can do this in my own strength mm. you know Jesus you know I, I often at times would think of Jesus as a as a last resort oh, I need to <laughs> I need to fix myself and then I can go to Jesus but as we know from what Becky has said you know mm. we don't we don't need to fix ourselves to go to Jesus Jesus came came for us wherever we're at yeah and then he placed up a rat um i think as well and and a guilty if you know um you perhaps using family and my wife as a as a crutch uh as opposed to you know, jesus should be the first port of call um yeah. you know and it's not it's not burdening my family or or my wife but, but equally um you know support i i go to jesus uh you know for first and first and foremost yeah to um you know because he he um heard a song uh last week from me and he was saying that Jesus doesn't rejoice in our mess, but rejoices when we we come to Him because yeah. He craves craves that relationship with us, um, and and wants us to to go to Him with all our problems. He can He can be there to to support yeah. us. There's there's a Psalm Psalms in the Bible is like the hymn book of the Jewish people. Mm. There's one where it talks about I find when I found myself in the miry pits, kind of this mucky, messy pit, and I'm stuck. And, you know, it calls out to God. And that's that's what God is interested in. It's not, mm. it's not look at you going, well, another fine mess you've got yourself into. What he's wanting is you to respond and call out for help. And that's much more important to him than where you are in life and how how sorted you are. That isn't, I mean, obviously it's an interest. It's important. But mm. actually what Jesus, I think the problem is, isn't it, when we're not in a mess, that's sometimes we can be furthest away from God because we feel like I'm sorting, I'm yeah, okay, well, I'm in yeah, control, I'm yeah, happy, absolutely. you know. And actually what God really wants is us to call out and rely on him. And then sometimes that happens most when we're in the mess mm. rather than when we think everything's sorted in life. 